0: you are listening to this is oklahoma hosted by mike hearn telling stories of oklahomans and those that have made it their home
1: what's up guys welcome back to another episode of this is oklahoma mike hearn here your host back with another episode down in yukon today right off route 66 and this is kind of home for me i live in yukon so this feels great um We've got Paul Geisinger on the on the podcast today. Uh, you know, we touched base through a mutual friend Chase. Thanks for putting us together and making this happen. This is how the podcast episodes happen. It's usually from a referral and friends who have who know other friends who have amazing stories and and things like this don't happen without those friends. So right. shout out to Chase for that. And uh, we're gonna get into talking about flying G jerky today. But yeah. before we get into the jerky, Paul, tell me a little bit about your background, what you do, <coughs> and how you how you get to Oklahoma.
0: Okay, so uh, actually born and raised in Oklahoma, northwest Oklahoma, uh, grew up farming and ranching mm-hmm. uh, just northwest of Sealing, a little town up there, just this side of Woodward. Um, and like I said, grew up farming my whole life. Towards the end of high school, we ended up selling the farm and opening a steakhouse, uh, Flying G Steakhouse, and family ran and operated that for 10 and a half years. And then before we sold that and... Um, and, you know, I put myself through college, joined the Army National Guard uh, to do that and uh, spent nine years in the Army uh, that helped pay for college and gave me a whole lot of good experiences. And then um, after my first deployment, I finished my last semester of college at uh, Northwestern Oklahoma State and then moved down here to Oklahoma City, uh, went to work for Chesapeake and I worked in oil and gas for close to 15 years. Yeah. Um, and towards the end of that tenure is when I... Kind of got my jerky going, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, and found Stan here, and and he's he helped me out, and we got it going. Yeah,
1: so. yeah. Uh, For everyone listening, we're in uh, Stan's Smokehouse, right? Yes. 66. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and before we go any further, I know everyone listening is going to say the same thing. Thank you for your service for this country. You obviously, bet. It sounds weird, probably coming from a U- guy from the UK. Hey, no. um, but obviously, there's everyone listening is not from the UK. Um, and you know, I've been here long enough to realize that you guys do it right. The military is awesome out right here, and and you get a lot of support from from the public, which I love to see because back home they don't get as much support as they deserve. Um, so first of all, thanks for that. Um, grow up, family has a. For you, first of all, you grew up on a farm, ranching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not easy work, right? Ag- no.
0: Ag never stops. No. My my, uh, my dad used to say that we worked eight days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. because like we, we hardly took a break. It was work before the sun came up and work after the sun was down. Yeah, I'm sure you
1: they know? were happy to... Well, I guess it depends, right? So They might have been happy to get
0: rid of it and start a steakhouse
1: sometimes. Just you know, at that time of life, I assume.
0: Yeah, I, and, and I won't really get into that, uh, why we mm-hmm. sold it, but um, just it needed to happen. Yeah. Um, and we never knew it, but it was my dad's lifelong goal to open a steakhouse. Mm-hmm. The man hardly ever knew how to cook. But Seriously. you at a grill. I mean, he, if he could fry an egg, he was doing good.
1: Um, <laughs> we share the but, same cooking, but it, cooking skills.
0: But it was it was always his it, it was always his dream to open a steakhouse, yeah. and and so we sold the farm. we were like, okay. And he actually, I mean, I helped teach him a little bit how to cook. My mom a lot, mm-hmm. and then and then he picked up the rest of it on his own, and he became a really good cook. Yeah. And uh, and so yeah, we we had that steakhouse. It was. it it was good people from all around loved it right yeah so people
1: listening who are from that part of town or have been through that part of town, no flying cheesesteak yes they
0: do yeah so is it still there today no the the building is but uh we sold it yeah yeah basically dad was tired of being married to that (laughs) because you're you're married to a (laughs) restaurant yeah Yeah. and and he just wanted to do something different and so we sold it and he went and did something different yeah so so growing up you know you're you're ranching and then you're in
1: the restaurant helping out and then you think okay i'm gonna go to university but to put myself to university i'm gonna join the army national Guard. Mm-hmm. um why what was that experience like was there like a defining moment that that kind of made that decision for you
0: you know my my parents raised me to like know the value of a, a hard day's work right and so um I I went to Northwestern on some scholarships and ended up getting some more scholarships, but that didn't take care of all of it. You know, I wasn't I wasn't the perfect a student that got academic scholarships, you know, left and right. Um, And so plus my parents, you know, they they couldn't help me a whole lot Mm -hmm. um, because they needed to take care of, you know, everything at home. And so I, I had no problem you know working a job sometimes I had two jobs uh, while going to school and that that was to, that was taking care of the bills but mm-hmm. kind of eking by and and I'd given it some thought I'd thought about joining full time army and then you know one of my friends he was a recruiters aide and he said hey why don't you just join the guard you know drill is right here in Alva. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll take care of your student loans. It will, you know, you'll have a tuition waiver, you'll have this, you'll have that, and it'll make life a lot easier. And so, um, my my dad was, he was ex-military. He was an Army uh, infantry officer, and I ended up going to the infantry as well. Um, so, he wasn't totally against it. My mom, however, was. Um, so, basically, what I had to do is I just had to go join and yeah. then break the news to her, hey, by the way. I got school I jo- paid for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got school paid for um, going to the Guard. And, yeah. uh, of course, you know, it's only one week in a month two weeks in the summer everything's cool Yeah. you know and I told her that in 2000 when I signed up and then ended up getting sent on a combat deployment in 2003 so yeah. she was like just one week in a month two weeks in the <laughs> summer huh yeah <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: uh, so, so you had a girls, you had a great time I I went to Southern Nazarene so Northwestern was in our conference mm-hmm. so we played against them you know in every sport that we could really I think yeah they had a pretty decent golf team and a girls golf team I believe was yes good. um you know I had a great time and and i've been up there and have friends from alva and small town you know everybody mm-hmm. uh so i'm sure that was a great experience but you know what did you go to school for to
0: school? i i started out uh pre-veterinary medicine okay um i loved working with animals i worked at a vet clinic for a couple years up there in alva mm-hmm. and uh and did well excelled at you know Figuring out dosages, yeah, with the veterinarian supervision, you know, and doing this and that and different procedures, um, but there was just, like I said earlier, I'm not a, I'm not a brainiac, so there are some classes that I just, even with a tutor, I could not get past. I'm yeah. like, I, I don't know. So I switched my major to animal science, okay. Which, growing up on a farm, knowing everything I did about animals and. It wasn't challenging enough for me. Animal science wasn't right. chal- uh, challenging enough for me, yeah. and so I ended up just saying, "You know, what, I'm just going to go a totally different way: business administration." And that's what I ended up graduating with was a business administration degree.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure because animal science, like you've been doing that, yeah. growing up, right? right? That's like just getting a piece
0: of paper, degree for for literally something you've been doing, your, you know, for eight days, right? Right, eight and days and, a week. and for anybody out there with animal to science degree, I'm not downplaying it oh, at of all. Of course, and um, it just, it, it just just, but it was comfortable. For it, you. It, it was comfortable. It's something yeah. that I had done all my life, you know. And and I was just like, I I want something different. Yeah. Um, I got to thinking about it, like, you know, the wheat prices aren't that great, and the cattle market's not that great. And do I really want to go this route? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Or do I want to try and get? you know something different that can cover a broader spectrum sure.
1: you know yeah so so you, you graduate you get you know you're, you're still in the guard and i guess you get the call up a couple of years later and you're off to deployment
0: right uh, so you know the the what was it in 2001 when yeah. the towers got hit right um and you know it, we were at high threat level and we were guarding the armory and you know mm. Guard soldiers all over st- all over the state were guarding guarding their different armories. Um, we and then that next summer uh, when we were annual training two weeks in the summer, they uh, they told us, "Hey, you guys are getting deployed." Mm. And we're like, "Okay, where? Well, we can't tell you yet. Right? Yeah. Uh, but you'll start training in November. So we show up and start training in November, and they said, "Okay, you guys are getting deployed to the Middle East." Okay, where? Yeah. Well, we're not going to tell you that much yet. And <laughs> yeah. uh, it was basically right So the first part of January 03 mm-hmm. is when they could tell us, okay, you're going to Kuwait to guard Patriot missile bases. <clears throat> and and so we did that, um, guarded those uh, Patriot missile bases for a couple months. Yeah. And then the war kicked off in March of 03. Um, we knocked out Iraq's air threat early. Mm-hmm. And then we we had impressed enough top brass yeah. that of the job that we had done being National Guard because sometimes you know National Guard has right. a stigma. It's like, well, you guys only part-timers work part or whatever. You're part timers, yeah. whereas these guys are full time. Well, yeah, true. But if you step back and look at it, you, most of your full time military—not to knock them—they're awesome. Everybody's awesome. It, it takes all of us together as a team. But most of your regular army are kids straight out of high school right gotcha. that don't have any other life experiences sure. just go straight in the military and that's all they know yeah. when you get a group of national guardsmen you have a guy that during the day you know regular day job this yeah. guy's an electrician this guy's a a plumber this guy's a you know you yeah. get all this knowledge from different walks of life right. into one unit mm-hmm. that unit's dangerous yeah you know and so um we had impressed enough top brass they were like hey We have two different missions for you now. You can stay here and jump in Humvee gun trucks every day and escort trucks up into Iraq and back. And up into Iraq and back, just burning up that blacktop, right? Or we have an infantry mission for you right now, just northwest of Baghdad. It's a hot zone. They don't have any infantry protection. They're getting mortared every night. They need some boots up there to stomp on some necks, so to speak. Yeah. you know. And so we... We we're like, yes, that's what we've been trained for. That's what we're going to do. And so we went up just northwest of Baghdad, and for 50 days solid until our orders right. ran out. It was patrols numerous times a day and a raid about every other night. Wow! Just getting after it.
1: How old are you at this point? I was 23. Wow, that's
0: yeah. I mean, you sign
1: up for all that reason, right? Like you sign in the guard, and you're like, okay, that. Initially, you know, getting school paid for, cool, but you know that there's an element of like okay, this could happen, right? right? It and could then, happen. Like, yeah. The towers get hit, and you think, okay, there's a sig- there's a big right. possibility that we are going somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, uh, at a young, you know, you're a young man, and you're like, you know what, I why not? Let's go, like get me over there, right? right. Um, and you know, you 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 know, you're in QA and you're doing a great job, and and then it really kicks off, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get sent into. Time to go. Let's strap up. Yeah. Know, I don't want to be escorting people up the highway. Right. Which I'm sure wasn't easy either. No. No. Because you you're having to action? you're
0: having to watch out for IEDs. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, and that's like that's I think that that'd be the worst part of it. Yeah. You know, seeing your enemy, being able to fight your enemies, one thing. Right. Driving along the road, not knowing that two thousand pounds of explosives yeah. is sitting right under where you're going to drive Tucked over, in the and trash there's trash nothing or you can yeah. do about it. Yeah. Nothing you can do about it.
1: Did you have like girlfriend at th- this time? Any family?
0: I did not. Just okay. you know, just my family. Yeah. Uh, but I had no. I had no girlfriend. No, no significant prospect. at right. that time. Right. Right, yeah. right.
1: Right. Probably for the best. Right? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you you fifty days. You just you are on high alert, and every day is you know you get through one day, and we'll get through the next, and just keep going until mm-hmm. that that mission's over. Right. That must have been like one of the probably best and worst life experiences right
0: yeah it was it was it was hair raising it was mm-hmm. you know it was an adrenaline rush and and then especially you know when you would when you hear gunfire breaking out here and there or hear an explosion here and there and but you know one like people ask me you know were you scared and i was like i was mm-hmm. it, it seems like all that went away when i fir- heard the first bullet whiz past my head yeah and then it's just like, okay, yeah, all right, oh, this is how it is, okay, yeah. you know. And and after that, it was it was calming for me. Yeah, like I, I don't I don't feel like I was scared after that. I mean, I, I was a little bit, not to the extent yeah. of. Before I'm tucked under in the fetal position,
1: right. like crying, getting <laughs> right. out of here. Right. Uh, I was, I was watching a video a couple of weeks ago. It was JP Donnell, who, uh, like speaker and stuff like that. I works with Jocko Willick. Um, and he said the same thing. He's like, it was some of the best and worst times of my life. And he said, there was a, there was a, a time where like they were getting attacked and he's tucked behind a wall and him and his buddy are just looking at each other, like laughing at each mm-hmm. other. And he's like, this is what we signed up for. Like, as scary and as mad as this is, you have people running at you, shooting at you, and he's just like, they they said, they're just uncontrollably laughing to each other, which is, in a crazy situation like that, there's, you know, there's those moments, isn't it, that, that, like, you have those memories of those people Mm -hmm. that you were with uh, and hanging out and, like, some of your best friends. Yes. And you're in, like, the worst possible situation. Like, no one in their right mind, you know, like, 99.9% of the rest of the world would tell you, like, I don't want to be there. Right. You know, and it's you go through that, and then it's you have those good and bad memories for the rest of your life. But it oh, gives sure. you like sense of I can probably accomplish anything now because you've mm-hmm. gone through that.
0: I, right. I, I don't know much adversity more than going to war. Yeah, it's that's that's about the pinnacle of it. I would I would think. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Best of times and worst of times is right. You know. There's there's certain memories i have of it that i'm like god i never want to be back in that position but then you know there are times where we'd stumble upon a huge weapons cache uh-huh. that the bad the enemy had stored up i mean floor to ceiling in this in this school building yeah. floor to ceiling in the classroom of different um anti-tank missiles and ak-47s and handguns i mean just you're looking at this room and they'd kind of try to camouflage it and brick up the doorway and and plaster over it but we could see irregularities in the wall so we kicked those areas in and exposed all this well there's not enough trucks in the area to take this amount of firepower out of here so we had to sit on it overnight outside the wire yeah um and, and like this, this particular school, schoolhouse that had a courtyard, it was a, h- a high wall that, um, blocked the courtyard from main highway one that mm-hmm. ran from Baghdad up to Tikrit. And, uh, we are like, we're stuck out there. Uh, they said, Hey, you guys got to sit on these weapons yeah. overnight. And we're like, okay, um, and all of a sudden different villagers from there and the the headmaster of the school and even some of the school children showed up and like hung out with us and helped. Like they came up with the idea to knock down part of the wall so we could back our vehicles into the courtyard. And then they helped put the wall back up. So we were completely hidden from the bad guys. And, And then the, some of the local children showed up with their, Uh, school books Mm -hmm. and we kind of had like a you know they would sit next to us and open their books and like there'd be a picture of a ball right and we would say ball in English and they would tell us what it was in Arabic yeah, right and so it was just like a cool bonding session we'd give them some candy and and like the the headmaster of that school and some of the villagers kept watch outside the wall that night Uh, so did we but they were also like that's you know, such a crazy so situation to be in. Most of them liked us being there. Right. Like, they they were under Saddam's thumb. I yeah. mean, major oppression. Most of them loved us being there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I think about, people ask me, you know, was it worth it? Were we over there for the right reasons? And when I think back on memories like that, yeah, we were. Yeah, because yeah. you
1: see it from the on the ground from the people that have yes. lived there and
0: for generations. And they're like, like
1: you know... Thank you yes. for showing yeah.
0: Up. yeah, they were they were thanking us yeah. several times. So after those fifty days, did you just
1: think I need more of this? I'm like into it now, and this is going to become a career. Uh,
0: I kind of did at the time, uh-huh. um, and and you know they wanted us to stay there longer. Yeah, they were trying to get our orders extended, but because we were on presidential orders. On a regular six-month rotation, mm-hmm. it it took a lot of paperwork up the chain, down the chain, right. to get, and they didn't have time to do that paperwork yeah. to keep us there. Um, so we had to come home. But I was like, man, you know that was awesome. And then I ended up doing another. De- uh, I I say deployment, uh, peacetime. Um, Hurricane Katrina when okay. it hit, we were in New Orleans for a month, yeah, um, <clears throat> patrolling and and keeping the lower Ninth Ward safe. Okay. Um, and helping the New Jersey Police Department you sure. know, do a little bit of drug busts and um, stuff like that, and because there was still gang activity going on in the area. Um, but you know, I, th- I thought about making a career out of it, but then you know, once I got established at Chesapeake, and I was working sure. and working my way up, and I'm like, you know what? I like the idea of yeah a a, a, a safer career here. I'm doing well. I don't need to... Oil I was doing good. Huh? Oil was doing good, yeah, right? Yeah, at the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. mid-2000s. Yeah. And so I, I said, you know, I, I'll just, I, I'll get out. And so in 2009, I got out. Okay. Yeah. Got out of the garden, right?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, by, so at that point,
1: you'd been at Chesapeake for a while, and they knew full well that you were in the garden and obviously let you go to go what it had, oh, yeah. it had yeah, to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right?
0: Yeah, when I, was, I, was, when I got uh, sent to Hurricane Katrina, yeah. I, I worked at Chesapeake at the time yeah. and they were amazing. I mean, the CEO and COO and uh, and the CFO at the mm-hmm. time, they were like, hey, we heard that you're getting sent to New Orleans. Here's a BlackBerry. Yeah. You know, so you can keep up with emails if you need to on downtime. And then we also, um, so I, I sent like weekly or no not with like every second or third day I would send the CEO COO and CFO yeah. updates of how things are going in, yeah. in New Orleans, you know, and they were fully behind me. And that's and, really uh, cool. Yeah. You yeah, don't yeah. get that very often. You know, like no. top brass like
1: that of commit, you know, top brass in the term of like, right. you know, business and, and the
0: civilian world. And they, they were very supportive and, and, you know, I won't, I won't say the links they went to, but they yeah. went above and Chesapeake went above really and cool. beyond to take care of me while yeah. I was, um, while I was gone, what was your so you get a business degree in Chesapeake, High? You what was your job at Chesapeake? Um, I started out just as a records clerk, you know, okay. basically getting my foot in the door, right? And then I moved up uh, into working uh, as a land tech. I was doing landman work for a long time, and then I kind of got tired of that being cooped up in an office. I'm an operations guy; I like yeah. to be where the action is, um, which was good in the military, <laughs> yeah. you know. But I was I was just sitting in an office and I... I was like, ah, this isn't for me. And, yeah. and so I had HR help me find a field job. And so I went to work for one of Chesapeake's subsidiaries out at El Reno, um, as a field rep and then ended up being an inventory and maintenance manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and then helped the IT team a little bit through a transition, yeah. um, before I got laid off from there. And, you know, I, I could see it coming it was when it was in what 2014-15 when things were really bad right was that like the first round of layoffs or the mm -hmm. first when the first round of layoffs started i guess yeah in like 14 and i think there were i don't know five or six rounds of layoffs Mm -hmm. before it finally got got me and i you know i was like no hard feelings i i get it you know it's it's tough right now and and so I went off and did something else for a while and ended up coming back into oil and gas for a little bit. Yeah.
1: Then. So where where does the, the jerky and the smoking and the meat and all that, like, come into it? Like, all okay. the, all these little stories. I'm right. sure it comes in from somewhere, oh, yeah. right? Because you're all these little, like you know well where does it where does it start I assume it starts with the steakhouse but or being at in ag to start but
0: i mean love my love for cooking started on the farm okay. cuz um you know dad and i used to work like crazy and then come in from the field and mom would have, be working on dinner you know mm-hmm. and i would usually sit down and and with dad and we'd watch some TV while mom was finishing up. But one day I just came in and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go to the kitchen this time. Yeah. I don't know what made me, but I went in there. I was like, Hey mom, what do you need help with? Show me how, show me what you're doing. Show me how to cook. Yeah. And she started teaching me how to cook. And before long, I was like, when we would come in from the field, mom would go sit down with dad. I'd come after working a full day in the field yeah. doing whatever I'd come cook dinner. Yeah. and and then that carried over into the steakhouse. I was like anytime Dad needed me to cook, I'm like, okay, cool you know because um, I'd, I'd had plenty of experience cooking steaks and you name it. So I enjoyed that. Um, so where the jerky comes in, I was working um, I was back in the oil field as kind of a field landman for a soil farming company and and uh, sitting in the pickup all day. I was starting to gain weight back. I I, I was getting up to about 265, and I had tried different things. I'd tried working out. um, I'd tried Herbalife. I'd tried all these different things. Nothing was really working, and I I just— my heaviest I'd ever weighed was 270. And I told my wife, I'm like, I'm getting too close to that. I'm miserable. I don't I've like got to find something. I don't yeah. like this. And she said, Well, I've just, I, I just heard about keto. Okay. Right. And she said, I was looking it up and here, look at this list of 50 snacks that you can have on keto. This is too much fat for me, okay. but this is right up your alley. Like, you love all this stuff. And I looked at it and I immediately did my research. Took off on it the next day, and in four months, dropped 50 pounds. That's
1: crazy, isn't it? And yeah.
0: just, I went from 265 to 215 Yeah, and, in four months, and felt great. And in that time, mm-hmm. I love beef jerky. You are hard-pressed to find a jerky on the market out there that yeah. is sugar-free and also tastes good. Yeah, um, And I, so I wanted... I, I wanted some jerky, but everything that I looked at, I'm like, it ah, has sugar, it ah, has sugar, it ah, has sugar. And because of my love of cooking and my knowledge of spices, mm-hmm. I was like, I'll just make it myself. I'd saved up a couple Cabela's gift cards. I went to Cabela's and bought my dehydrator yeah. and played around with some different spices. Um, and I don't know, I probably changed my recipe four or five times before it was like, oh wow you know i think i've got something here and then when i would come home from work and you know i'd take a small baggie with me i'd have the big baggie up in the cabinet Mm -hmm. and i'd come home from working and and pack my stuff for the next day and like there's quite a bit less in the big baggie i'm like hon what (laughs) what happened to my jerky (laughs) yeah the girls and i were in it like all day i was like that good she said yeah So I started letting neighbors and friends try it. You know, they'd come over, or I'd go somewhere and take a baggie with me, and they'd say, "Hey, we're getting ready to take a ski trip here in two weeks. Will you make us a one gallon baggie?" Yeah, it's like, "Oh, okay." You know, yeah. They said, "Name your price," and so I kind of figured out so I can make a little bit. And I was like, "How's this sound? Sounds great. Actually, we'll pay you more than that." I was like, "Well, you know, this jerky's not cheap. No, it's not. As a snack, it's not cheap. Right, right. And and people people don't." Totally understand it, but I've, I've explained it well to people yeah. and they're like, oh, okay, we get it now. So <clears throat> um, things went on like that for a while where yeah. I, would, I would make a batch, I'd take the trays out of the dehydrator, run them through the dishwasher, pull them out and put more meat that had been marinating in there and mm-hmm. it was going again, right? Yeah. And after a couple months of that, I told my wife, I'm like, hey, this is in late 17, late 2017. I said, I'd I want to do a little research see if i can find a co-packer mm-hmm. that you know while i can keep my job and they can make it for me yeah. and see if i have something here you know and she said okay do your research and so i called around some people that i knew and they one guy ended up directing me to to stan and yeah. said hey uh and i called him up and we sit here in this room and talked and he's like yeah I, I think i think we can do something here and and figured out how much it was going to be and told my wife i was like hey here's how much i need to take from savings and yeah. she said all right let's do it yeah <clears throat> and so we we took off started making it and so that's that's how it came to be as i was just eating low carb high protein and fat yeah um and and needed needed a sugar-free jerky so i just started yeah. making it and it it gained popularity
1: that's oh, i love that because it? it's come from a serious need isn't it? i love products right. that come from a serious need but it's something that you've just kind of stumbled upon because you were unhappy you're overweight and you needed to lose weight and mm-hmm. then you're like you know hey i love jerky that's and then you're, you're you know going to every gas station while you're driving around that state in the middle of nowhere or whatever and they all have terrible jerky in them right they all the the, you know, the national chain stuff or i know but none of it's got no sugar in it
0: right it's It's hard to find there are some out there and i I'd, I'd found one or two, but I just didn't like the flavor yeah it did didn't taste good to me
1: yeah so so, so you sit with Stan that's probably at this table that we're at now um, mm-hmm. you know and, and and you do the deal and and you know take the money from savings and and it's off to the races then
0: yeah uh, we we started working through the test test batches because I had a little dehydrator at home mm he has a much bigger dehydrator here uh, that also uses natural smoke, right? I was using some uh, something else to give me a smoky flavor at home. Gotcha. So we had to cut that out and and then shift either up or down the wow. other spices to get the same tasting jerky out of here as mm-hmm. I did at home. So I actually have a... Not that I've made it anymore at home, yeah, because I don't need to now. Oh, yeah, but I have a home recipe, and I have the recipe for here. Yeah, and I uses the same spices, but in different proportions, right. just because it's it's different. Yeah, being done here. Um. So, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So so you could, so then you know you it. Then it's getting it into stores, right? And getting it in front of people.
0: Yeah. So uh, where I was going with that, the uh, um, we worked through through the test batches, mm-hmm. getting it just right, and then um, once we once we nailed it, then we sent it off to Washington D.C. to get yeah. all all that paperwork off and everything approved, mm-hmm. um, and then once we got approval started rock and roll and rolled our first bags off the line January or excuse me, July 11th of 2018. Yeah. And, um, at the time the oil field job that I was working had a company truck and it took me all over Northwest Oklahoma. My boss liked my jerky as well. Mm -hmm. And so he was fully supportive. He's like, Hey, wherever you go, don't go out of your way, but any towns you're going through. Yeah. Stop. You're probably going to stop anyway for a pop or fuel or whatever. Stop there. Talk to the manager. See if you can get your jerky in there. I'm behind you on this. Yeah. And so that's what I would do. I would, I would kind of plan out my week and say, okay, I need to go see these rigs out this way. I need to see these rigs up this way so I can hit, I can hit here, 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 here. And I would do that and just walk in and, and hand him my business card, hand him a sample bag and say, Hey, you know, I'm a Northwest Oklahoma guy. I'm, you know, have roots up here, have an all-natural jerk. It's different from anything else you have on the shelf. And I, I was able to get it in close to 40 stores that way on my own oh, I that. before awesome. I picked up a dis- my first distributor in yeah. March of
1: 2019. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Small steps, isn't it? Right. You know, and the good yep. thing is, like you, you know, you're still working, right? So wife's happy. You still got an income. Mm-hmm. You're still paying bills. Yep. and then you have the side hustle that's starting to really take off. For sure. And then you land that first distributor, distributor, and you get, you know, I guess from from 40 stores. Where do you go when you get this? It, who was that first distributor?
0: Um, R Okay. Uh, here out of Oklahoma City. Um, and I think we climbed uh, somewhere close to. 200, 250 stores.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. how much like production difference is that in like gallon terms for people listening that can understand how like? Because I mean, you think oh, it's forty to two
0: hundred. I know that's a lot, but when you look at product, that's mm-hmm. a lot. That is a lot more product. Right, right, and it's a lot more upfront, basically, for them to get it stocked in the yeah. store. Then it depends on how it moves. Right. Me not being as well known as. The other Oklahoma big yeah. boy jerky companies. <clears throat> um, so the the initial order was massive. You know, yeah. it, it took us it took us a, about a week and a half to get it all taken care of with the other jerky that we make in here, you know, so working it into the production schedule, but it took a good week, week and a half to get that amount together. But then after that, it was, it was very sustainable, um, to take care of, to take care of the demand. Cause like I say, my, my products not moving as well as, you know, jerky companies that have been established in Oklahoma for 20 plus years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that was, there was a bit of a kind of like that, um, you know, like that moment that you've got a you know that first order and you know the the order that for R and K like it's a big order and you've got to fulfill all that and and thankfully like you're here with Stan and you have this partnership, you know you're not at home when you're in your little fryer or whatever dehydr you know dehydrate thing doing because that just wouldn't have worked mm-hmm. you'd be there for, for six seven months. Um, but I'm sure it was not was a bit nerve wracking, right?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you, you go through
1: the whole deal of self doubt: Have we done it right? Is it
0: worth it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, some <clears throat> some would. Uh I would hear, you know, things. Things are picking up in these stores. It's really selling in these stores, but not so much in in these stores. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, why? You know, why is that? That's that's kind of nerve wracking. And then and, and trying to get into other stores and yeah. and, and get, you know, no, um, basically because some of your bigger stores, especially the chains, they figure their yeah. profit per square foot of shelf space, right? So right. if the margin isn't there for your, yeah. for your product, you're on the bottom where you're on the top
1: shelf, you're, so you're not you're, in IV. view. It's like,
0: sorry, yeah. Yeah. you know, they, they need some of those chains that have high end mm-hmm. stores, nice, really yeah. nice stores require sometimes 40 to 50% margin. Yeah. And so, it's it's tough to make it affordable right. for them.
1: Yeah. Well, the good thing is like you found your niche, right? Mm-hmm. You found your target market and you found you know your your core audience from doing all this research from that moment until now. And you know we're in 2021 now, and like you know you you have a flying G jerky company. Do you ever think that it was going to
0: get to what it is today? <clears throat> I I knew that it could. Yeah. Uh, just didn't know how long it would would take mm-hmm. um certain aspects i was like you know i should be able to really blow this up quick that's not the case not yeah. the case at all you know uh one thing that i've uh done being a people person and loving to talk to people i uh, work a lot of shows mm-hmm. and so like the fin and feather fall festival in eastern oklahoma um mistletoe market here in Oklahoma City that the junior league puts on. Mm-hmm. Uh the equivalent of that in Wichita. And then this last year I'd gotten accepted to even bigger shows. Uh this the junior league equivalent in Austin mm-hmm. and in Houston. Yeah. And you know, the one here in the city brings 45 forty five, fifty thousand people. Houston Austin brings like seventy-five. Houston brings a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And then another big show that we got accepted to was, uh, and and it, it, we knew it was a long shot. Uh, we got invited to the Dallas uh, or the World Food Championships in Dallas, uh, October of 2019. Yeah, met somebody there that. Had like was from Utah. Had some amazing jams, jellies, and he said, "Man, you should try and get in Chip and Joanna Gaines' show in Waco, Texas. Spring at the Silos. You know, they're at Magnolia. It's hard to get in, yeah. But you should try because you got a really good product. So we're like, why not? Let's go for it. Yeah. And we applied, and we were overwhelmed from from what we hear from the people that work there, the management, like overwhelmingly we were accepted. Like, yeah. cause when we showed up, they're like, Oh, we are glad you guys made it. How much jerky did you bring? And I opened the back of the expedition. It's just packed. <laughs> like nobody rode with me. Yeah. It's packed in the front seat and it's nothing but boxes yeah. up against the back seat all the way back with my little booth set up, you know? Sure. And, uh, they're like, Oh, you'll, you'll sell out of every bit of that, you know? And then that was, we got set up that afternoon and that evening is when, Really, the, the president had to address the nation for the first time. Yeah. And, you know, people here in Oklahoma probably remember watching the Thunder game and they're yeah. like, Boop. no, yeah. everybody, players home. back to your locker rooms, everybody go home. Yeah, That was that day. Oh. And Magnolia had to send out a an email that night saying, and, and I got a text message from Magnolia saying, yeah. please check your email. They they had to cancel spring at the silos. Um, they could still have their kind of silo bration celebration, silo sure. bration, what they call it. They're on on the premises because they own that. Yeah. But we were set up in this tent row. Out on the street. Well, the Ah, city of Waco pulled the street street permits, and all the vendors had to leave. Thankfully, I was able to find another place to set up. Yeah, um, just two miles north. Uh, The guy, I guy just called me out of the blue, and he's like, "Hey, I heard this got canceled. I was looking through the list of vendors. I've got to have you over here at my place. I saved a spot for you." And I was like, "Well, I mean, sure, may not sell as much as what I planned on, but." something's better than nothing going home yeah yeah so we we stuck around and and sold some jerky there you know and uh but man we that was rough having having that canceled on me because that that's that's big oh yeah that's you're sitting you're like this is
1: it this is our moment yeah this is gonna go great right and so many more people are gonna know who we are yeah an order's gonna fly in like you're like man mathed brain starts oh, going yeah. doesn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. Account, you know, all this I was stuff. like if
0: I sell all this jerky this is how much I net this yeah. weekend and I'm like wow yeah. you know mind blown type moment but uh, that didn't happen but you know Magnolia was very gracious and like they they helped reimburse travel expenses they reimbursed your booth rent everything and and then you know the next time they have an event you're first in line yeah I'm yeah. first in line yeah so the guys that, that we'll be back yeah. there at Magnolia yeah Oh, that must have been such a kick in the nuts! like oh, big time, big time! And then, and you know, it was like a domino effect. After that, all my shows that I had lined up, yeah. all my all my normal shows, and then the even bigger ones that we had been accepted to, yeah. just started just falling. No, we're canceling. We're right. canceling. We're canceling. And and so and that's 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 a good moneymaker for me. You of know course. those shows, and and I've I think. Uh, I had I don't know fifteen sixteen shows lined up for yeah. uh, twenty twenty, and I ended up doing two. Yeah. So you've obviously the previous when you
1: were when you were knocking on doors at stores and going in, you, you were still working. Are you still working for that company? And if not, when did you leave that company?
0: No, I'm uh, not. Uh, I worked for them up until September of two thousand nineteen.
1: Okay. Um, so you've basically had one full year, roughly without the, well, I guess a half a year of pre-COVID, September to March, I guess.
0: Right, right, right. Um, You know, I'd I'd had the jerky going for a little over a year Mm. when I got laid off from that oil and gas. And that was literally like my boss came in and he, I mean, he was visibly upset. And he's like, Paul, he said, "I, I can't afford to lose you. Yeah. But I can't afford I can't to keep, keep you. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to try and keep the doors open. And I was like, "Hey, no sweat. You know, no hard feelings. Yeah. Business is business. I get it. You yeah. know." And and so that was literally that he told me that on a Tuesday. That Thursday, I was leaving for my first fall show. Yeah, over in uh, at Lake Tenkiller Fin and Feather Fall Festival. And so I was like, I told my wife, I said, I'm just going to concentrate on my fall shows, work all of them. I'm going to try and find shows for the weekends that I have open, Mm -hmm. try and work a, a show every weekend all through the fall. Yeah. To, to make money, right? And and I did. Yeah. I, we found, my wife helped me find more shows and that's pretty much what I did was work a show yeah. every single weekend um, and just concentrate on getting our name out there, handing sure. business cards out, you know, asking people at the shows, hey, do you know anybody that has a convenience store? Yeah. Do you know anybody that has a grocery store? Here take a bag to them here's my card yeah you know and and we lined up some more stores that way as well yeah um, so you know I just really buckled down a,
1: I guess a small blessing right that mm-hmm. you were given this
0: opportunity to really
1: go and think you know I am going to give us everything I have I know I've been doing it it's been kind of going well but mm-hmm. now I have to go all in right and it's exactly what you probably needed and what the business needed. Yeah. It's like, right, let's just see if, you know, if we're going to do it, let's let's do it. Yes. Let's do it, you know, and go all out. Right. And then you get to where we are now and it's, you know, still selling stuff, right? Still doing it, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. Um, what? Well, so for everyone listening, uh, I guess, where can they buy it? Um, and then also t- tell me a little bit about like, so you don't just have one, you have two different
0: stocks. Is that right? I, I, I have two different flavors, right? I have an yeah. original and a uh, hot. Mm-hmm. And I, I plan to uh, roll out another flavor this year. Okay. So I'll hopefully sometime this year I'll have a third flavor. And then going.
1: because we don't have trade shows going on right now, you can buy it all online and in stores? Correct.
0: Uh, FlyingGJerky.com. Uh, you can always get it there. Uh, that's the best place mm-hmm. to get it as far as price-wise because uh, with two or more bags, you get free shipping. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I have, I run promos every once in a while. Yeah. Um, as far as stores go, um, a lot of the homeland stores in the metro area, sure. they have it, um, and different mom and pop shops, uh, Woodsman Trading Company on yeah. May, you know, I got, uh, um, i'm trying to think there's some convenience stores that it's in right now but i'm i'm kind of i'm switching to a different distributor best place to find is a website yeah the and and i do have a map Uh um it may not be completely updated because i'm not sure where we've gained stores and lost stores Uh and um so there's a map there's a map on my website that shows the stores that it should be in
1: yeah awesome Well, mate, this is a great story. Um, Again, thanks, Chase, for putting this together. Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, because it's, I can't wait to try it now. Um, I love jerky myself, too. And jerky's not really a big thing in the UK. It is here, but it's really not a big thing back home. Hmm. Uh, So when I came out here and, you know, someone just threw me a bag and it was just some random bag off the shelf. I was like, oh, what is this? I'd never tasted it before. I was like, oh this is really good. I'm going to need to get into this. And then I'm like, as I, I was in college at the time, I see the price tag. I'm like, ah, I'm going to have to wait until my friends go hunting and I'll yeah. take some more. <laughs> uh, but man, this is awesome. Um, yeah, I really appreciate you sharing and obviously again, service for the, for the country and, and doing what you've done. Um, it's really cool uh, absolutely the, you know, thank every, you everything you do builds into the person that you are today and, and mm-hmm. the person that you know the father and the, and the husband and then and the, and the dad that you are so um yeah i mean for everyone listening i'll post the link to flying g jerky in the description so you can click on it and go to the website check it out buy some um but yeah thank you so much and now uh, we'll catch you next episode Cheers. perfect
0: thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too